So welcome, whoop, we've got all kinds of sounds here. <laughs> welcome to episode five of the actual astronomy podcast. And uh, don't bother editing that out. We're not, we're not that committed to <laughs> quality control. Um, so how was your week, Shane? What were we up to? Well, uh, you know, it was fascinating. Um, with, uh, with, with COVID-19, nothing has changed. I stay in my house. I go for short walks and avoid people. And that's my life. Mm. How about you? Yeah, more or less, uh, more or less the same. So <laughs> nothing, nothing too exciting. But, but I hear there's some news on your scope front. Oh yes, yes, yes. So let's. So I, I I officially committed to buying the Takahashi seventy six DCU. And so what? Well. Now, first off, what kind of telescope is this exactly? So this this is a, uh, a small refractor. Um, you know, seventy six millimeters is is you know a nice form factor for travel, which is what I was all about, or you know my big focus, and uh, it's also quite light. Um, and then, you know, in addition to that, you have the Takahashi optics and high quality and all of that fantastic stuff. Um, but it's a, a doublet. Um, I don't know. I, is, I think that's probably about all. Yeah. Is there anything kind of special about the DCU? Oh, yes. Um, so it breaks. Well, it comes apart. Uh, the, the optical tube is threaded. So you can unthread that for even more portability as, say, a carry-on item on, a, on an airplane. But it also makes this a very modular slash adaptable telescope. Uh, in addition to the telescope, I bought, uh, a, it's called an extender. So it's kind of like a Barlow in a way but it goes into the optical tube um, and it's a 1.7 times magnifier or extender. Um, and it turns it into, well, the, the, the stock telescope is a focal uh, ratio of 7.5. With the extender, it goes up to an F12, uh, which I'm just stoked for. I cannot wait to have some planetary views through that thing. Yeah, and I mean, I didn't get one. <laughs> I had been seriously <laughs> debating this as well because I own the the uh, FS sixty slash called the sixty CB, which is a sixty millimeter f five point nine that, with that extender, turns into a, a sixty Q or a sixty uh, f ten, which is a telescope which can be transformed both uh, sort of a modest focal ratio or a pretty wide field little telescope to a relatively long focal length uh, telescope um, going from a 355 millimeter focal length to a 600 millimeter focal length. And since I had all these parts and a custom made focuser, I thought I would get the DCU as well for the 76. I, you can just purchase a modular unit or you can purchase now the whole telescope had been on sale, um, but it was kind of like $50 more expensive to buy a full telescope. The modular unit wasn't on sale, so I didn't bother going with it. You know, I've kind of gone a bit of a different direction and uh, anyhow, so um, this is a neat telescope though, because it's pretty long focal length. It can be transformed into a, a modest focal length for wider fields and, and you can travel with it. How are you gonna mount this thing, Shane? Like every telescope needs a mount and these telescopes that we're into buying, they don't come as whole kits. You're just basically getting a tube, right? That's right, yeah. So there's a, there's a couple factors here. Um, there's the mount. Um, now there's the tripod that holds the mount. Um, and then there's how do you attach the telescope to all of that stuff? 
Um, so maybe I'll just start from the ground up. So that would mean uh, the tripod that I'm using is an old Manfrotto slash Bogan. Oh, gee, I forget the, the model number now. Uh, it's like an 028. It's an 028, I think. Um, no, mine's I, mine's slightly different. Oh, is um, it? No, okay. Yeah, I think mine's yeah, an 028 yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, so I've used that with other telescopes and, um, you know, it's, it's pretty steady. I, I like it a lot. Um, I think it'll do okay. Yeah, 3046 is what I have. 3046, um, okay. Yeah. And then um, the mount that I have on there right now is a Alt-As mount. So, you know, an Alt-As mount is probably the simplest mount you can use. It goes up and down and it goes kind of left and right. Um, and it's just a very intuitive way to point your telescope. Um, so it's a StellarView M1. Um, I don't know the weight of it. It's, it's a fairly small, lightweight mount. It's like three um, or four pounds or something. I think you told me once. Yeah, yeah. It's certainly heavier than your, um, your universal astronomics mount, but yeah. um, it's still a fairly portable, easygoing mount and uh, can hold some decent weight. Yeah, I've so, got the, the Dwarf Star, which can hold up to approximately eight pounds. Right. Um, same type of thing, Aldaz, but it only weighs one pound. <laughs> Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> which, is, which is like literally, it, it's just, I had to get it because, um, you know, well, I know Larry uh, who runs Universal Astronomics. I don't think he's making as many mounts anymore. I think he still makes the Dwarf Star. But to buy a telescope mount that I could put in my pocket, <laughs> it's just like, like literally you can walk around with, with a telescope mount in your pocket. It is that cool. Um, and it literally is pocket size. Like it fits in the pocket of my, of my coat. Um, and then I also own the uh, Takahashi uh, Lapidus modified teal mount, so um, which is much more substantial. It's like an eight to ten. The way I have it set up, it's about ten pounds. So I think yours sits right in between those. So it's kind of neat. Yeah. Have, yeah. All this selection. Yeah, I'm a little concerned that it may not. Like I think the the T, the the 76 DCU in its kind of original or format will ride quite nicely on the mount. I'm a little concerned when I add the extender that the added length, you know, it might pres present some troubles uh, at high magnifications, but only time will tell. Yeah, because it's like, um, I think it's 570 millimeter focal length. I'm not sure the exact length of the telescope. And then when you put the extender in, the focal length is 954 by my recollection. But I think the tube itself is around, around 800. So yeah. that, that is definitely getting up there. Cause that's, I think slightly longer than my, um, I was going to say Pentax uh, 125, but it's a, it's a board with a Pentax uh, lens in it um, that I have, which is a five inch apocrymat. So that's, that's a lengthy scope, but it is, that scope only weighs like four and a half pounds though. This 76 DCU that doesn't something like that. It's super light. Yeah. Yeah. It's something around that, that mark. Um, my, my telemeter, my Zeiss telemeter is 800 and, 40, I think 840 millimeter focal okay. length. Um, so it should be about the same length then. -ish. Yeah, it, sh it should be around that length. Now the telemeter, you know, you can do arm curls with that thing and get into shape. It, it's not a light telescope. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm interested to see how the tack rides on there. Um, so because sorry, you have the, you have the telemeter mount, don't you? You still have that? I do. Yeah. 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 So, cause you have two telemeters, you, you're selling one or have sold one, but you're keeping selling, one. Yeah. 
And then that that has like a manual EQ mount. You could could you mount it on that, or would you have to get like a weird adapter plate or something? Yeah. So Zeiss uses a very well. It, it's a proprietary dovetail, and it's it's uh, it's thinner and not nearly as thick as say your traditional Vixen dovetail. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you well, I'll have to double check. I don't think a Vixen dovetail will slide into there. I'd have to get a Zeiss dovetail and you can't really buy those. You just have to take one off the telemeter. Um, and then I'm not sure if those are drilled to accept rings. I, I just don't think that that would work. Well, I have a suggestion for you. Oh, <laughs> this, well. This, this podcast is now brought to you by precisionparts.com. Yeah, go to Precision Parts and like you would have to like yeah. chat with them and maybe um, do some measurements. But Precision Parts, I'm sure, could could make you one up. I don't think you'd get it like, you know, I don't know how long it would take. Might take you some messing around to figure that out with them but i'm sure you could uh they've done much more complicated things down there at precision parts so yeah. yeah well one other option that i'm curious to try i'm not sure if it'll fit or not um, but my takahashi ts65 uh, one of my vintage or classic telescopes that mm-hmm. i have uh, came with an eq mount um oh, okay. and it has a, a clamshell basically kind of built into the mount like those those old mounts, it was all one piece, essentially. Yeah. Um, and I think that 76 DCU might fit in there. Um, the clam on, on the TS-65 mount is a little bit smaller. But, you know, as long as the curvature is right, um, the clam doesn't have to close completely as long as it's secured. So I'm kind of curious to see if that'll work anyway. So the clamshell, this, this is essentially the part that attaches the telescope uh, to the mount itself. Like this is kind of where the rubber meets the road and kind of where yeah. it sort of saddles. It's like the saddle that kind of mates the the telescope and affixes it to to the mount. But um, like I said, personally, I haven't been as much a fan of, of the clamshells. And I know it's a little bit heresy to say it to some, but uh, even the Takahashi's just because they are uh, heavy. And then I also don't like, like my, uh, I have the short clamshell for my uh, 60. And yeah, it just seems really small and heavy. <laughs> and it only has one bolt, which always seems a little bit sketchy to me. Yeah. So my plan right now, because the, the one thing I really don't have is a set of rings or clamshell to attach the telescope to a dovetail, which then attaches to the mount. Um, so if this old TS-65 mount won't work with the, with the 76 DCU, then I have to make a decision of do I buy some rings or do I buy the clamshell that tax sells for that telescope? Um, so I'll, I'll wait and see. I'm not going to jump on any additional purchases until I see if this thing will fit on my old mount. Personally, my, my recommendation is, you know, and, and I made it on cloudy nights first. <laughs> yes. Thank is, you. <laughs> is, is that you, uh, you should get the Prima Lucha labs. Uh, rings. I think that's what you should get and get a. Yeah, I just can't. I just can't do that color, man. I know it sounds crazy because you don't look at a telescope; you look through a telescope. It's, but yeah, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna be using it in the dark. You're not. Yeah, gonna, I know. You're not gonna notice the color, and I I think I like the color. <laughs> do you? <laughs> well, a, you know what? I, honestly, the red by itself, I don't mind. It's just the red with the white and then kind of the blue and the green that the tack has going on on it. It would just be a dog's breakfast, I think. So I like it. Yeah. I, yeah, I do I like, like those. Um, oh, I think they're T. 
are they TS rings? Anyway, uh, they're, I think APM uh, in Europe sells them, but they're black, they're 80 millimeters. They look the part. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. TS optics. Uh, they're CNC aluminum tube rings. Uh, price is pretty good. They look like they're fairly robust. So if I, if I end up going with rings, I think those are the ones I'm going to go with. But yeah. I noticed that, and I don't know if you're familiar with this brand or not, but K Aztec, um, the, hmm. the perma-mounted rings, which they're, they're actually not in production at present for the 60 and 76. Yeah. Um, but they're a, they're a beautiful silver ring. They're very small. Um, that's the, those are the benefits. They're very small, light, high, high quality. Um, the thing that I'm a little bit hesitant about those ones is that they are perma mounts. So you basically um, put them on, you tighten down uh, these screws or, or bolts on either side, and then they're, they're permanently affixed to your telescope. And the one thing that I like to do is loosen my rings off and slide the telescope back and forth. Um, yeah. To get balance. balance. Yeah. When I, when my dovetail runs out of space um, in the mount. So not so uh, keen to get that, but I think as far as the aesthetics, that's the look that you're going for. So if you look up K Aztec um, rings, then you're going to, you're going to see the ones that those are the ones that are really going to sing to you. Um, but uh, you are probably going to have to get a pretty long uh, dovetail plate to really, to really make those those work i think so yeah so what are you gonna yeah. did, did you figure out the focuser for it so this telescope comes with just a one and a quarter inch focuser just like my uh fs60 but on my fs60 i went and pulled it off i've ne I never used it again like <laughs> the, the, uh, what i say is somewhat controversial in tack circles some of the tack parts i'm just not as much a fan of so even before i used it, i'd only used a few tack telescopes before and the focuser, I just didn't care for as much as the beautiful feather touch focusers. And after I bought my first, first feather touch about uh, 15 years ago, I just decided I would never own another telescope that didn't have a feather touch focuser on it for good reason. And um, one of them is, is that we observe in really cold weather sometimes. You and I have been out down to minus 40 and that feather touch focuser works just as good at minus 40 as it does at plus 40 or at zero or at minus 20 or at plus 20. It just the thing is just unbelievable. So that's where I went with mine. Where are you going with your focuser end of the business? Um, well, uh, I've never actually used a stock uh, Takahashi focuser before. Um, so I am going to start there and see how I like it. Uh, to your point, I've read reviews kind of all over the spectrum. And, you know, I, what's becoming a common theme in our podcast here, Chris, is the, you know, sort of, you got to try it for yourself, right? Whether it's yeah. an eyepiece, whether it's a mount, whatever, because we all have different thresholds or expectations. And um, so with that being said, I want to try that focuser for myself and just see uh, if it meets my needs and if I think I can work with it. Um, you know, one thing I'll say is, is, you know, my fascination with these older telescopes, I'm starting to get used to using focusers that don't have all of the bells and whistles of our, you know, you know, feather touches and, and, and the nice modern focusers that are available. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, I might be able to get by with the stock one. Uh, one thing that I might miss, particularly at extremely high magnifications would be the, uh, the dual speed focuser or some kind of micro focusing, uh, sort of touch to it. Yeah. You can uh, buy one. You can buy one from Takahashi. Yep. 
they cost approximately $300 American. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I've seen that. So there, there's that one. There's the, I think it's like the MEH is the product code. Yes, on it. Like I've looked at it a pile of times. I'm like, well, I think my focuser costs like, I don't know, like 500 and something Americans. So it's not yeah. that much different to swap out the entire thing for an entirely new uh, focuser. Yeah. And the, uh, so I have, um, if I stick with inch and a quarter, which, you know, if I'm going to be doing any kind of high, high magnification observing, it's going to be with inch and a quarter, um, eyepieces or, you know, my, my 0.965 eyepieces adapted to inch and a quarter. Um, so I have a, a, um, a Bader Zeiss T2 prism, uh, in inch and a quarter. And the eyepiece holder on there is a helical microfocuser, which actually works fantastically. So if I use that uh, prism slash diagonal um, with that, with the stock focuser on the tack, I kind of get both worlds. You know, I have the coarse focus of the yeah. tack and then the micro focusing in, in the uh, diagonal. So that diagonal, like, I, I, and I haven't seen it yet because you just got it or got it together here um, re relatively recently, I think. No, I've, I've had it actually for quite a few years now. I'd okay. say probably three years. So have I looked uh, through that or is it just, you don't bring it out when we're doing deep Well, stuff? yeah, I don't, I don't bring it to grasslands or when we're out under dark skies because, you know, when we're under the dark skies, we're typically doing a lot of lower power wide field observing. So I have the two inch diagonal in there and I, I leave the inch and a quarter at home. Um, I really, only, oops, sorry. Um, I really only use the inch and a quarter when I'm doing kind of planetary lunar stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I'm but curious. I tell you, it's, it's fantastic. Um, I have had, you know, on, on really good nights of seeing just in my backyard, um, I have had some views of Jupiter through my 120 millimeter ED Skywatcher refractor with that prism in there and just phenomenal you know not quite photographic quality because you really don't you know it's hard to achieve that visually through a telescope but it wasn't far off you know the festoons and the detail within the cloud bands the the unevenness um it was just i didn't know that that was possible through a telescope and you know there was more factors than just that prism there but it it really performs well that's it that's interesting um and one thing i find interesting about about your comment in, in using it with the skywatcher is the skywatcher is 120 millimeter or, or just under i mean it really is a five inch uh telescope having had them side by side with my 125 uh they they basically uh, uh show almost uh, identical images but um yeah so did you find the planetary views like so much better through through the uh prism than the other stuff like in regular a mirror diagonal well i didn't go a b you know those evenings i just you know i was i brought the prism out and that's all i had and that's all i used so you know it's a little uh, there's some variables there i guess if you know i'm going to put forward a comparison but yeah i would say it's better um i'm just the colors seem more vibrant you know like the great red spot to me just seems to pop more um, now, one thing I have read about prisms um, is they don't work on fast. Well, I shouldn't say they don't work. Uh, they work best on slower telescopes or longer focal lengths. Like I think if you're, I don't know, there's a rule out there. I don't know if it's like F8 and above you use a prism and below you use a mirror or seven or, you know, it's something like that. Yeah, I've heard that as well. So that's one of the things I was interested about when you said you were 
using it at f7 and a half. So, but I mean, there's a lot of different factors because your, your seven and a half might be different than someone else's seven. Like for example, um, if you have seven and a half on a uh, 120, then uh, you know, your, your focal length uh, in millimeters will actually be longer. Um, and so a lot of the physical physics of, of the light cone will be different than say a telescope that's like a, a 60 millimeter working at f7 and a half, say for example. So, and this is pretty hair splitting stuff, I think. So. I, I think it is too, you know, and from what I've read online, some people that have done AB comparisons with that prism versus a mirror diagonal um, say there's no difference. You know, they've, they've done it back and forth many, many nights and cannot see any detectable difference. And I believe those reports. I think when you start talking about the differences with this high-end stuff, you know, you need, you need one of those nights, then, and they don't happen very often, uh, but, you know, a night of great seeing with excellent conditions all around, uh, planets high in the sky, so you avoid some of that atmospheric turbulence and distortion. Um, you know, then is when you start to separate kind of the premium stuff from the good stuff and, and you start to notice some of those differences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of diagonals, unless you have anything to add on your, uh, on, on your new purchase. <laughs> well, um, the only other thing that I'll add is um, I ordered the telescope and then it, I think two days later, I, I contacted uh, the vendor and I said, could you add a Vixen HR piece to that? Oh, order? wow. And he said, sure, no problem. So I'm, you know, I, I thought planetary season's coming. I'm just going to bite the bullet here and uh, get one of those HRs because I've just, they sound so amazing. And, you know, a point that I'll make here, and, and this kind of goes back just to what we're talking about, even with that uh, Bader Zeiss prism is, you know, you do pay, you know, this stuff isn't cheap when you start to get into some of these, you know, higher end premium pieces. Um, and for me, because these rare nights are so fleeting, um, I want to make sure that when they happen, I'm ready, you know, and I can get the best possible view uh, mm -hmm. that, that's available. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I'm, the, the, the nice thing too about where we live in Saskatchewan here is, is we do get some pretty good nights and, and they're not super rare here. You know, they, they do yeah. happen. And with planetary season coming up, I thought, ah, let's, let's see what this Vixen's all about. So I have the Vixen 2 millimeter, 2.0 millimeter HR uh, coming as well with the telescope. Yeah, so that will just give you 476 power on the, uh, on the 76 DCU. It's like you could make your own little cardboard box, right? <laughs> That's about the magnification that they'll put on, the, uh, on those old telescope uh, department store telescope we used to see right 500 times exactly but i mean that maybe that telescope will do it i mean i hear yeah. like it should yeah yeah uh, i'm curious to see um it also could end up being an eyepiece that doesn't see a lot of action i don't know well time will tell yeah that is some hype i i own a as you know a pentax three and a half i own a pentax yeah. 3.79 xp and I own the Pentax XO 5.1. And, uh, you know, my five inch, uh, not recently, because I've been using uh, my other telescope, but in my five inch, all those eyepieces have seen an awful lot of uh, uh, planetary light. So, especially yeah, the three well, and a half. Yeah, I, you know, I contemplated the Vixen HR 3.4, but I have a, a, a Takahashi High Ortho 4.0 and uh, also the 2.8. 
Um, so I kind of thought the two made a little more logical sense. And to your point, I've actually been using those, the 4.0 and the 2.8 uh, tacks uh, way more than I ever thought I would. And, and they're great. They, you know, they really put up some fine views. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things that, you know, we've talked lots about this offline and that's that, you know, you, you, you get the telescope cooled down, these small telescopes, they do cool down pretty quick. Um, and you can run sort of those, those maximum powers or, or beyond like, um, frequently I mean, my most used planetary eyepiece in my, in my 60 millimeter gives me, uh, uh about 130 magnifications. So, uh, def definitely breaking, uh, you know, that, that little bit of rule of thumb there, but yeah, I mean, and it's, and it's totally fine and you can definitely see, um, more because you're just increasing that image scale, uh, of the object quite, quite a bit. So. So yeah, so I wanted to mention, uh, if this is probably a month or so ago, you were at my, you came and were a guest speaker at my astronomy class when, when it was still running. And you, you and I were talking, I was saying that I had wanted to buy a new diagonal. And uh, a diagonal, these, these are the things that you stick in the, the uh, look into part of the telescope. So the refractor has a lens in one end and then that lens collects the light, the light forms a cone, comes down to a, a focus point um, and then coming out of the focuser you can either put an extender in and then put an eyepiece in and look through it sort of Galileo style or you can put a, a diagonal in and that will uh, bend the light typically at about 90 degrees which makes it more comfortable to look through so you and I were chatting and uh, I, I wanted to get another Lumicon diagonal and I've, I've had a Lumicon diagonal for about um, 15 years now and it's kind of getting a bit old. <laughs> So, yeah. and I, I know that Lumicon is one of those companies that, uh, I think it's kind of traded hands a couple times since, you know, I've, I've been buying their stuff anyway. And mostly they've been known for making really high quality, uh, nebula filters and some other kind of rare products, but they also make this diagonal. And the thing I like about this diagonal, there's a couple things is, um, it's very high quality. It's very lightweight. And um, it has this strange look to it. Instead of having sort of a square bottom, uh, the bottom is is running at about a 45 degree angle. And then the, the mirror is kind of just basically screwed to that. So um, the theory that, that I was sold on that is that, well, it looks kind of neat. And then uh, apparently it's supposed to stay in alignment. And I mean, I've had that diagonal, as you know, up and down the roads. And we have some pretty bad roads here we've gone on trips on. And the thing's just perfect, you know, for the better part of 20 years now. So, um, but it's getting on like, you know, just, just getting a little bit worn in that. And I do travel, um, with it. And I thought, well, if it ever gets lost or anything, you'd be heartbroken. And with all these telescopes, maybe, maybe it'd be good to buy, uh, another one or a backup one. And I went looking for it. I had some trouble kind of finding it because at that point, Lumicon was kind of in between owners, I think and didn't, they weren't up on, on any website anywhere. So um, I mentioned this to you and you pointed me to a, a telescope store that was going out of business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I looked and they had, it was a great deal. It was like, I think, I think I ended up telling you, I got like 60% off it or something. Yeah. Yeah. It was a fantastic price. So, but it was a real bargain. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. So, so it lands here. And of course, uh, like we were saying uh, offline a while back, uh, you know, we were both pretty busy after, you know, everybody kind of got 
got sent home at their various jobs and uh, I do some support for first responders. So that sort of had its own thing. And, uh, and so it kind of sat there for a couple of weeks and then I opened it and I was really excited. So at first I'm looking, I'm like, yeah, it looks good. And then turn it over and I'm like, what is this? So it has, <laughs> it has the nose piece that fits into the telescope uh, focuser as usual. And then it has that regular diagonal part with, with the, um, that 45 degree and the mirrors in there. But then instead of having like on my uh, existing, my old uh, Lumicon diagonal has a, um, it just kind of has this very utilitarian barrel kind of just screwed on onto it, um, which I never really gave much thought to, but you know, like at night, like I say, it all looks the same in the dark um, and works yep. quite well. <laughs> but, but this thing didn't have that. Instead it has this, um, sort of not quite square, not quite hexagonal um, piece that's about uh, maybe five or six millimeters or just about half a centimeter high um, that is slightly larger than an eyepiece. So I was like, what is this thing? So, <laughs> so and I was kind of like, I got to figure this out. So um, once I had some time, I did some digging and and uh, I went back and looked at their website and I noticed that now they're selling a, a filter slide for <laughs> a diagonal, right? That's, that's hilarious because I was going to mention that to you. <laughs> yeah, but, but they don't have the diagonal, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so I wrote them uh, this weekend. I said, I said, yeah, I've, I've, kinda, I've got your diagonal, right? To this other part that you're selling. Why don't you just send it to me, right? Because you guys didn't send me what I bought. And then uh, that's the part that I need, <laughs> you know, okay. I yeah, don't yeah. have, I don't have it. It took me kind of a while. Like it's not very clear, like, and this is kind of like a roll your own um, way of doing it, but I, I think it's supposed to come in a kit. And probably what happened is they, they I find it very strange that they would buy this. Cause first of all, you've got to have a refractor you've got to have some disposable income. So the original price in this thing is a lot of money. Um, I think in, in the realm of maybe five or $600 American. And I think the oh, on sale wow. price for the whole kit was $500 Canadian. And so you've got to, you've got to have the money to put into this. You've got to be uh, somebody that has um, a good selection of refractors, a good selection of wide field eyepieces, and a good, this is the critical part, a really good selection of two inch nebula filters, like, because mm -hmm. it's a multiple filter uh, slide. And it's not, this is not designed for astro imaging, which most people do, which I'm thinking is why they got it. I'm thinking they thought it was an astro imaging thing, because that's what m the majority of people are into now who would be buying really expensive filters. So you've got to already have kind of all this stuff lined up. So I'm thinking they've really got an audience of one. For this. <laughs> I'm really hoping they, do the right thing and either give me a super deal on it or, or just mail it to me or, or something. But uh, that would be pretty cool to have that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause one of the, like we've talked to a lot about like the fiddle factor when you're at the eyepiece, um, you just want to put the eyepiece in and start observing. And if you have to take the eyepiece out to add Barlow's or to add filters, mm. it becomes kind of a pain in, in, in the butt, especially in the dark. Um, mm -hmm. And there's been many times, especially with filters, where I just grab it wrong 
all yeah. of a sudden my thumb is on the glass, you know, and I've left a, you know, a thumbprint that I have to clean off properly and, and it's frustrating. Um, so, you know, there's filter wheels that you can buy quite easily. Um, but the filter slide is, is a little different and it's kind of neat that it's built in to the focuser. Um, the only thing that I would kind of question a little bit is like, are your filters going to get a little dirty when they're not inside the, the viewing portion, you know? Well, here's the, here's my perspective on it. My filters are already really damn dirty. <laughs> like at this just point, add to the filtering. At this point, it's not really going to matter that much to my filters. So, so the first time, so I, so when I bought my five-inch um, Apocromat, I, I at the same time, I, I think maybe even before it arrived, because as you know, like you ordered ordered this scope, who knows when you're going to see it? Might be if you got it in five weeks, I'd be impressed. Um, but your, I think your plan is to hopefully get it by by midsummer, so you can really start enjoying the planets as they come into the evening sky. But I ordered um, two or three uh, two-inch filters. I ordered an O3, an H beta, and I may have already had a UHC. I think I already had the UHC. And so, um, in my little group of of astronomers, I think, and and I think like with our little group of astronomers that we have now. I think I'm the only one with the two-inch filters. I think you guys just have one and a quarters or something like that. Do you have any two-inch filters? Yeah, I've bought a couple. I have a... Okay, so you have... I think I just have a UHC. That might be it. Yeah, and um, is it, you know, but I, I remember we when I first came out here, I was the only one around that had that had two-inch filters, which which is yeah, fine. Yeah. You know, kind of show them around or whatever. It's all it's all good. So kind of once once one person has one of these things, you know, it's not really that necessary in your group to, for everybody to to necessarily own them all. But uh, mm -hmm. in, in my group back in Ontario, when I lived there, <laughs> I bought this O3, and and nobody had ever even seen an an O3 uh, nebula filter. They had all been buying just one and a quarters. I don't know why it just hadn't occurred to people. And so my friend just asked to borrow it. I can't remember either. I hadn't looked through it, or if I'd looked through it, I'd looked through it once at like the Orion Nebula or something, and then. I handed it to him and he went and looked at a bunch of objects and when he took the eyepiece out he unthreaded it he dropped it on the ground and chipped the glass oh no oh no <laughs> right away but i'll tell you like he was somebody that you know i loved great person and i was like you know what like don't worry like just don't even worry i was just like you know, so chill. I felt like that was like a real turning point in my life to kind of just be like, yeah, you know, this is just going to happen when you're doing this stuff, you know, like mm -hmm. every once in a while, you know, somebody's just going to drop your filter or an eyepiece or something. And, you know, like here we are now, like I'll stuck kind of sitting around at home and man, I'd, I'd give up an eyepiece filter for everything to go back to, to the way we were a, a few months ago anyway. So <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, but yeah. where it chipped, so it chipped on the edge, um, which I actually think is, and I I couldn't notice it visually, and then it uh, it you know, it hasn't it hasn't impacted it, and I never replaced it or anything. So when you talk about hey, if you put them in this this slide and it's exposed to the nighttime air, I'm like, ah, mine's already pretty dirty. <laughs> it's got a hunk out of the glass. Like it's it's gonna be okay, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so we'll we'll see what happens there. It's not ideal because I was really looking for just the standard one, um, but I've I, in the past I had thought about maybe getting one of these one of these filter slide diagonals. But uh, yeah. So anyway, so that's my story on the diagonal. So well, it's exciting. You know, uh, you you have a new diagonal to try. I'm going to have a new telescope to try, and 
uh, it's kind of fun to play with some new gear and just see what it does. Yeah, sounds good. Right on, Chris. Well, we're kind of at time where we usually wrap this thing up. So yeah. I think it's time. All right. Well, it was great chatting with you, Shane. And uh, we'll talk again next week. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Take care, man.